Hector it's Chavez. the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin here with Frank Tucker, representing CanesCounty.com. And Miami suffers another big loss. They give up for the third time this season 40 points, this time to Clemson, the ninth-ranked team in the country. Frank, it, it wasn't a, a, a fun game to watch. It was it was actually very ugly in the beginning. You thought this was going to be like fifty eight nothing, like it, um, at first, but Miami did fight in this game uh, to make it somewhat of a close game in the second half. It was actually the score wasn't, I don't think, uh, indicative of what uh, how this game really played out. Uh, I think Miami actually had a chance to kind of make this a one-score game in the second half, but unfortunately they just couldn't execute as they only registered 98 total yards. 98 total yards is pretty hard uh, to to fathom that uh, in in today's college football world, 98 total yards. I have to repeat repeat that because – I believe that's the worst mark since the net, since the '60s for the Hurricanes. Um, they're now five and six. They are still looking to become bowl eligible this week with their home game against Pittsburgh. But Frank, your reaction to the 40-10 loss to Clemson and just kind of you know where where the Hurricanes at are are at now with that loss. I think that you're everybody's going to talk about the 40 points that Miami allowed. But if you looked at what the defense really did, they gave Miami a chance. It was 26 to 10 late in the fourth quarter. Right. I know they allow that big play to get inside the five, but overall the defense played well. Cam Kitchens leads the charge once again with 13 tackles, right? A couple pass breakups, just an exceptional player overall, probably going to end up being an all American, honestly, with the year he's having, but yeah, offense just completely disappeared once again, and it's unfortunate to see because it, it's with yet another quarterback, right? Who who showed some potential last week, and you score just ten points, right? Rooster has hundred yards last week. He has what seven carries for ten yards in this game. It's horrible. It's horrible. Like we can't even get the run game going, right? Like I understand having injuries on the offensive line and not being able to protect the quarterback. But you should be able to scheme the run game open. If you're Josh Gaddis, that's supposed to be your MO. You came to Miami as a Broyles Award winner who was able to put together one of the most prolific rushing attacks in the country at Michigan last year with Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins. And you're not doing that at all at Miami unless you're playing a subpar team with a interim coaching staff uh, like Georgia Tech or a team that is atrocious this year and might have their coach fired after one season in Virginia Tech. It's oh, and the upper echelon of teams in ACC and college football are embarrassing Miami uh, on on the offensive side of the ball. It's they can't do anything to move the football. One first down in the first half, I think it was Marcus. Right, that's terrible. There, there's there's no way to describe it other than Miami has to do something different offensively. I don't know if it's Frank Ponce. I don't know if it's Josh Gaddis or something along those lines, but all three of these quarterbacks were four-star quarterbacks or higher. They were all recruited by some of the best teams in the country. They can't be the problem the way that it looks right now. So 
I still think they're going to have a chance against Pitt just because I don't think Pitt's that great this year. And, I, you know, Clemson's a much better team. But if you can't move the football at all, you're going to have no chance. Yeah, I was disappointed to see the lack of creativity in this offense. I mean, I, I am one who has been giving Gaddis a chance to really kind of prove himself. But, you you know, you knew going in the type of defense you were going to face, right? Like, this team has out-recruited Miami for the past four years by a sizable margin. So you knew that you were going to be behind the eight ball of uh, – of some sort going into it. So yeah, you have to scheme up some stuff. You got to, you know, be, be creative in there. And for me to see, you know, just on third downs, just a simple run up the middle with, with Jalen Knight. And I'm disappointed to kind of see those type of play calls. And it it's just, there's no excuse for 98 yards. You know, there, there's just no excuse for it. I mean, I understand you're playing with, Essentially, a backup quarterback, a freshman making his second start against one of the top teams in the nation. But you have to scheme some stuff up to to, to move the ball. Like I, I don't even, I don't recall seeing a screen pass. You know, I, I don't recall seeing any misdirection with the run game, which is something that I thought they would do. Maybe try to run some counter or something like that. It's just. I, I didn't see a lot of creativity and it's disappointing. And it, what it ultimately will be now, I think, is that Gaddis may be playing for his job with this Pittsburgh game. I think if he's if he puts out another outing where he, Miami doesn't crack a hundred yards total, then I think likely Miami moves on from Gaddis. Um, because it's just the optics are just too bad. It's hard to explain that to the Hurricanes fan base, to, you know, the AD, Radakovich. It's hard for Cristobal to really explain what the issue is and for him to be retained for another year. I do think... Miami has a chance to beat Pittsburgh, but we it, it can't be a game where the defense wins it. And I agree with you about the defense. I think the defense, uh, you know, it's not really fair for them to to see that 40 to 10 score because they played well enough for Miami to win this game against Clemson. You caused three turnovers uh, and you pretty much shut down Clemson after those first three scores and um and then you know two of those points well you know was a safety so obviously that that wasn't you know the defense's fault so it's it's just uh really disappointing to see the outing i'm not surprised with the outcome you and i both predicted miami would lose on saturday but i think it's just how they lost and just how that offense looked the fact that Restrepo arguably your best receiver and Rashard Smith don't get a catch don't register a catch I mean just these are fast guys who can make plays in space just 
throw them a throw them a short short pass, you know, to, just to see what they can do, so they can loosen up the defense and keep that defense off of Jakari Brown's back. I mean, that that part I I I I really don't understand. Which brings me to this, Frank. I, I feel like Coach Gaddis really has lost trust or belief in this offense. I think sometimes sometimes when I'm watching these games, I feel like, okay, well, that that was a good play call. Like, I see good play calls out there, but he doesn't go back to them when they don't work. You got to understand, these a lot of these players are young. You're dealing with a freshman quarterback. You know, uh, the old line is, is, is relatively very banged up, and uh, you don't have the five guys that you would want out there. Um, you know, you're just, you're missing some guys, but I think, I feel like Gaddis gives up on these players during the game. And he did that during the season as well. Like when, with Tyler Van Dyke, he benched him with Jay, with Jake Garcia, he benched him. And in this game, he benches Ja'Cory Brown. Like, I feel like you got to just let this stuff play out and start to believe in your players if you believe in your scheme. Don't don't just say, okay, well, you know, this play, oh, they, they didn't execute this play, so we're not going to try it again. I think you need to try to run it again and, and start to have some kind of belief in your scheme, in your players, because when you don't, you, you're starting to lose the football team. And I think – that's what's happening. I think he's kind of losing trust in the in the in the players executing, and it's also happening on the other end as well. I don't think the players are kind of trusting what Gaddis is running. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and I think the biggest discrepancy in this game was that Clemson had over eighty plays, so you have your defense yeah. on the field for the entire game. And the Miami offense ran what, like forty-two plays? Forty, I think it was forty-four. It was crazy. I, well, I, would, I was, I was doing the, the the snap counts and the uh, and the PFF grades, and I was like, "What?" That kind of blew my mind just to see the discrepancy in snaps. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, and and the problem with with Gattis's offense when you're only running forty-four plays is, if you look at when the offense has been successful all season, it's when they're putting together like ten to fifteen play drives. Right. And, and the biggest problem we had is, is the red zone issues throughout the year, because when he does put these 15 play drives together, right, we don't score. But it, you can't build an offense based on per, like having to rely on perfection. Right. A 15 play drive means that every play had to be, you know, decent. Right. Every play had to be. And if you have one play that brings you back a penalty, uh, you know, a sack or something like that, the drive is dead. And that's why you see so many three and outs with the offense. It's there's no real big playability. Like Jakari Brown has a 40 yard run. They still don't really do anything to capitalize on it. Right. It's, it, it's just not good enough. You, you can't rely on huge drives all the time, all the time. Modern day college football is a big play game. Yeah. Every time you see one of the most prolific offenses, it is exciting. It is taking vertical shots. Right. Jakari Brown might not be the most accurate quarterback, but you have to give him chances to just throw it up to the likes of the Colby Youngs. Right. Give Brashard Smith a chance in the slot up the scene. We don't see like 
Is Brashard Smith living up to his, his blue chip potential? Probably not, right? But is he getting the opportunity to do that? And that's why we see him tweet out a response to Monday's press conference where he's talking about getting X and Brashard on the field at the same time, and he just puts a period. Like, yeah. no, like, I'm trying here, guys. I'm trying to get on the field. He doesn't even give me the opportunity. It's it's unfortunate. Frank Latson, six foot what four, six foot three. You know, yeah. his ability is not to be able to get open. Give him a chance. Throw it up, right? You can't you can't survive on nine of eighteen passing in college football. This this is not Air Force. This is not Navy. You can't. Georgia Tech fired you know their legendary coach because all he did was run triple, right? Triple option. It, you cannot survive in today's college football just. Yeah throwing the ball 20, 20 times or less. It, you have to have some big play potential because if if Clemson, who is a good team with good coaches, just schemes for the run and is not worried by the pass at all, you have no chance of winning. This is not Georgia Tech. And I think the biggest issue is they don't utilize play-action pass. They don't use play-action pass. Like Even when they have success running, it, it's – you know, we're going to try to throw a short pass here. We're going to try to make it easy. Sometimes you got to let Jakari Brown mess up. Got to let him mess up. And, and I know he did. He threw a pick, right? And, and, and he got sacked. But you have to allow him to, to get that confidence, right? We've seen it. You saw it through the Georgia Tech game. There was confidence there. He sounded like a leader in, in, in his interviews. He, he was ready to go. He's ready for the next game. But if you can't inspire any confidence with your play calling – that's an issue, man. That's a big yeah. issue. Yeah, it was definitely uninspiring uh, to to the thousandth degree as far as the offense is con concerned. But uh, what was inspiring was to see the defense kind of fight in this game. I mean, the fact that DJ Ivy, you know, uh, registered two turnovers uh, by himself, and the performances from Cam Kitchens as well as Akeem Mesador, he kind of, you know, had a had a really good game as well. Um, overall, I think the defense line played really well. Leonard Taylor, the second highest graded defensive player, according to Pro Football Focus. I, I think that there, there, there's still promise, I think, with the defense uh, for sure. I think uh, Wesley Besaint, he had a decent game, but um, uh, they need another guy, man. They need another linebacker that can really step up. Um, Corey Flagg injured early in this game, so that hurt. Uh, Miami, uh, uh, you know, for sure, but they were still able to, for the most part, contain Will Shipley and that, that running game. They really didn't, really didn't take off in this game. However, the QB run uh, by DJ Uagulalele, I think I said that <laughs> name right. <laughs> I, I gave a stab at it. Um, he still kill, killed Miami with the QB run like a few times it's like that's that's something that Miami just can't fix and I, I I'm surrendering to it to the fact that you know with one maybe two games left that that will never be fixed Miami will continue to always give up QB runs or QB QB scrambles um but besides that I mean it's that was the the only inspiring thing to watch from this game is that the fact that Clemson didn't give up, and they could have easily laid down in this game, and they didn't. And uh, they fought uh, to, to the very end. Um, but unfortunately, this is not good enough. And unfortunately, this is another 
indication of how far Miami is from becoming elite. Every the last four games that they've played Clemson, uh, they've been blown out, and it wasn't close. And many could probably say it could have been worse than what the score indicated, especially when you see 447 yards uh, 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 gained by Clemson compared to your 98. So it's just, uh, it was just an unfortunate game to watch, um, you know, through and through. Miami has a chance to redeem themselves against Pitt. Pitt has a very strong run game, and Miami has lost to the top running teams that they've played uh, in the ACC, Duke, Florida State, Clemson, now you're playing Pitt, uh, all of which scored 40 or more points on on the hurricane. So you're going to need some offense because likely Pittsburgh is going to score. So you're going to need more than 98 yards to win this game. Hopefully Tyler Van Dyke can come back fully healthy. If he's not 100%, I don't want to see him out there. There's no really, no real reason to get him out there if he's not 100%. But I, I think you start Jakari Brown again in this game and don't even have Jake Garcia in, in the game, even if even if he's uh, stinking it up out there. I think you let Jakari Brown figure it out, let him grow, let him go through the growing pains uh, so you have a quarterback – uh, for the future, who can you know withstand adversity? Hundred percent, and like it's a lost season, right? It, it's great to make the bowl game, and and those are that's obviously a goal for this team. But you got to see what you got next year, right? And Jakari Brown, you got to give him a chance. You can't pull him out early. You got to see how he responds to adversity. And I I, I think Gaddis just needs to stick with Brown stick with Brown and, and try to utilize, try to get back to the run game that they had against Georgia Tech against Pitt. Because Pitt is not as good. It's closer to a Georgia Tech type team than it is a Clemson team. So if you can try to get back to what you were doing just a week ago, you have a chance to get to a bowl game. And hopefully he can scheme it up in some way, shape, or form. I, I completely agree with you on what you said earlier that he is playing for his job right now. Um I still think Coach Steele is still playing for his job a little bit too. Let's see what he does because yeah. Caden Slovis hasn't exactly been, you know, a superstar for Pitt this season coming over from USC. And it, I think he's got to prove it. He's got to prove it because as well as the defense played, you still allowed 90 rushing yards, you know, and that's not, that's not even like taking out, that's not even taking the sacks out of it to DJ, right? And I'm not even going to say his last name. Can't pronounce it as good as you. But it, it, every week we talk about that as a weakness in this defense. And yes, is the linebacker talent not what it should be? 100%. But at a certain point, you have to adjust as a defensive coordinator to what your defense's weakness is. And, and it seems like the defensive backs get better when when there's when there's messes when there's mess ups from the DJ Ivies and the Tyreek Stevensons of the world. And they you know they don't seem to be the problem on a weekly basis. But every week we're seeing an athletic quarterback, and there's a lot of those in the ACC, yeah. be able to get over on the Miami defense. And you can't just say, like, okay, oh, you know, 
Cam Kitchens is doing well. The defense is, is right. The defense ain't right. This ain't a championship-level defense right now, and I think that the personnel defensively is better than the personnel offensively. So that's a criticism of, of, of Coach Steele, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So speaking of these these two coaches, Coach Steele and Gaddis, question is, is will they or should they be retained? Um, of course, a lot will determine that, I think, in this next game. I think they are both essentially playing for their jobs. Um, if Miami loses, I would guess that both will not be retained. Uh, but the thing uh, – but, but if they win, though, like if they win, they get to a bowl game, do you think Miami keeps both Gaddis and Steele – and, you know, do you think they they should or or uh, because to me and the, the other thing I want to say is that this although the, the recruiting class has kind of stayed together here. It still doesn't look good. Let's let's just be honest. It, it doesn't look good for recruits to see an offense that is anemic, you know, or to see a defense that can't you know stop stop anything right now so from what i heard i heard that Jaden rashada decided to uh decommit from miami because of the offense of the the he didn't feel like he could develop in that type of offense and that is one of the reasons uh or i heard that was the main reason why he decided to uh you know deep decommit from Miami so that's not the message that you want to continue to convey to the masses to recruits prospects Miami targets so even if Miami wins the game I can understand why Miami moves away from Gaddis because of that reason you know because you can't you can't it, it just like you said in, in today's college football, it's all about big plays. It's all about the passing game. And if recruits don't see that, if they don't see entertaining football, or see that, if Miami was losing in shootouts, I don't think it would be an issue. And I think Jaden Rashad is still on the team, you know. But they're not, you know. They 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 went through that Virginia game without without scoring a, a touchdown. You didn't score in the touchdown in the entire game, and now you have a game where you, where you, where you had only 98 yards in a game. So, I think for business purposes or recruiting purposes for the for the future of the program, if Gaddis doesn't change, Gaddis does, needs to probably look at himself, look at the tape, and really assess his style of of calling plays. Because if he continues with what he's been doing this season, I see it hurting the program more than helping. I agree. And it sucks to lose Jaden Rashad. We talked about that, right? I, I don't think that's end-all, be-all because you have Emory Williams. I think the biggest issue is they're recruiting the top quarterbacks in 2024. They're recruiting the likes of Josiah Trader, Jeremiah Smith, Chance Robinson, Ryan Wingo, the right. Jared Gibsons of the world. If yeah. those kids don't see the development offensively or the potential for development offensively, 
you can keep that 2023 class and that's great. And it's a building block to, to helping this program getting back to, to relevancy, but you got to string off multiple classes to, to get this thing off the ground. Texas A&M is further proof of that, right? That you can have the greatest class of all time and yes. still return to mediocrity. If you can't string it together more than one year, right? Like it's uh, one recruiting class doesn't save your coaching staff. It doesn't save your, your, your team. It, it's, it's great. And it's a benefit, but it, it just alludes to the fact that Miami has kind of been the offseason champions on a yearly basis. <laughs> and, and you don't want to just be that. You have to develop the talent when it comes. And you have to be able to prove, like, on a yearly basis, like the Clemsons, the Alabamas, right, the Ohio States, that you can bring that talent in and make it what it's supposed to be. Uh, right now, I, I bet if you ask Michael Van Buren and, and you know, DJ Lagaway and, and, you know, even even Zach Wilson's brother, right, Isaac Wilson, uh, if they feel confident in coming to Miami and becoming an NFL quarterback, they would probably say no right now. They're, that it, It's just not there. It's just not there to, to make them the passer that they need to be. And I think that's a combination of Frank Ponce and Gaddis. It's not just on Gaddis because Gaddis is working with the receivers, right? Frank Ponce has been the guy that's been developing these quarterbacks, this is not just an offensive coordinator that's working with the quarterbacks on a daily basis. I mean, Van Dyke acted like they didn't even – like Gaddis and him didn't even watch film together until about, what, week four? It was like the, that relationship of, of, of being able to break down teams wasn't even there. So yeah. that's partially on Ponce too. It's it's just the offensive staff overall. I, and I can't blame Maribel for what's going on just because he's had so many injuries, but – those two guys need to, need to get it together, and there needs to be a sign of life in the passing game and offensively if they want to be able to keep their jobs. And I know that Frank Ponce is a Mario Cristobal guy, but I hope Mario doesn't pull uh, an out golden and, and keep his guy, a.k.a. Mark D'Onofrio, um, you know, in the program because it's his buddy from, you know, from home. It can't happen that way, man. can't happen that way. And, and you, you have to continue – the top 10 pro progression uh, in 2024, if this is going to get right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see Gaddis being retained maybe as the wide receivers coach, because right now he's, he's the offensive coordinator and the wide receivers coach. And I, I think there's been some development with, with uh, Colby young, particularly, um, and I think that's a credit to Gaddis and him developing him. Um, he's uh, the, the group uh, overall, I think, is, has been hit by injuries as well. Um, Jacoby George hasn't been there the, the entire season, but I could see that happening. I could see him maybe, you know, going down to um, just the wide receivers coach and maybe bringing someone in at, at, uh, for the offensive coordinator or, but what I am not sold on is is Ponce being the offensive coordinator because we have not seen development from these quarterbacks uh this season especially throwing the football uh Jakari Brown missed some some I would I wouldn't say easy throws but makeable throws on on Saturday and if you have some teams don't even have a quarterbacks coach right and we have a coach who is so 
job is to develop these quarterbacks, and we really haven't seen quarterback development. Tyler Van Dyke, you could say maybe has regressed or has stayed the same from what he has last season. Jake Garcia certainly hasn't elevated his play. And Jakari Brown, I think, is just getting getting by with his athleticism um, and just what he's known since he, you know, was a kid. So I'm not totally sold on Pont getting a chance at offensive coordinator because I don't really feel like he's proven that he should take the job. I would be okay with Gaddis taking the wide receivers and continue to just just be just be the wide receivers coach and not call plays and then just bring in someone else to call plays um, because this I mean you know it, it's Sunday and uh, you know the Dolphins are on a bye this week but I'm always excited for Sundays because I know I'm going to see creativity from that offense. You know, they, they, that is a creative offense. It's night and day. When I mean, obviously, it's the pros comparing to the college game, but there are plenty of offensive coordinators in college that are much more creative or or have some kind of uh, or or just put, kind of believe in their players to make plays. And I, I just think, again, that Gaddis has, has kind of lost belief in these players to make plays within his scheme. So, well, well, we'll, we'll move on to, to recruiting here. Um, now, I do want to talk about Miami's recent offer. They just offered a kid today, Hector Chavez. He is a player that I saw in person Friday night, Frank, and he is the real deal all over the field. One of the best games I've ever seen from a player returned a field goal back for a touchdown, um, just several tackles. Um, I want to say he had double digit uh, tackles, including tackle for losses and sacks. He just had an unbelievable game, just always around the football, 2025 kids. So long ways away from him committing to Miami, but I'm, I'm glad Miami did offer this kid and uh, he is a bit undersized. I think he may be about 5'10", 5'9", 5'10", something, something in that uh, range there. Uh, but he's just he's just a really heady player, knows where to be, maximum effort every, every time. And we already know about the Columbus pipeline and what they're trying to build there with some other players. So glad to see that he got an offer. Um, of course, my Palmetto was eliminated from the playoffs. So it was the last game, last high school game that we saw of uh, Robbie and, 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 and Bobby Washington. Robbie had a decent game. Um, had a few catches. Didn't really, you know, go off. Didn't really have a huge play or anything. They kind of kept it contained. But the receiver that I do want to talk about on that Palmetto team is Ja'Cory Barney, man. Ja'Cory Barney is a player that is definitely open to the fact of, of playing at home. I spoke to him after the game. You can see the video on our YouTube page, uh, live from Canes County, uh, to see that interview with him. But other schools are talking to him. He did mention Auburn. He mentioned Tennessee as well. So, But Miami still hasn't offered him. And he is kind of a perplexed at it 
and you and I, Frank, are a little dumbfounded at it as well. He's been to Miami. We've seen him uh, visit Miami for a, a game, uh, but they have yet to offer him. But, but what I will say is that he was extremely dynamic in this game against Columbus. He, you know, played quarterback. He, you know, ran uh, from the backfield. He had over 100 yards receiving. He was just the offensive MVP MVP of Palmetto. And I'm saying this would, of course, Robbie Washington, who plays on the team. So um, those are those are my two big takes as far as uh, Miami targets or, or uh, you know, uh, players that, that Miami should definitely continue to pursue. Uh, other than that, Albert Mendoza, uh, quarterback from Columbus, oh, had another big game. Um, this kid continues to improve. Uh, he's trying to outshine his older brother, Fernando, uh, and he may be well on his way to do so. He's uh, He threw three touchdown passes and just didn't make any mistakes. Also had like a big, I want to say a 50-yard run in the game. He's just... Uh, He's just a really, really good player, and um, uh, I was impressed from what I saw uh, from his, from him as well on Friday night. Yeah, he he impresses almost every week. He had five touchdowns against Miami Central, uh, most of which came in the second half of that game. Another three touchdown performance. He's he's got a chance to be named as one of the you know top quarterbacks in, in the state for the four M classification at the end of the season. Um, you know, with with some you know, all county recognition as well. Um, but it, there was a few other offers for Miami this week as well in the underclassmen ranks. You know, a couple of track stars. Uh, they offered uh, Dwight Phillips, who's a 2024 running back out of Georgia. Dad has got Olympic pedigree as a long jump, uh, former long jump athlete. He's run 10-4 in the 100 meter. Um, super, super athletic running back. That it, And it looks like Miami's kind of recruiting a profile right now at the skill positions offensively. You know, they, they talked about it at the beginning of the year. Jakari Brown is the fastest player in this offense, uh, and that's not a recipe for success. <laughs> it's, uh, it, you got some guys that, you know, have some explosive ability like Rooster and, and Brashard Smith, but to be able to bring in, you know, the, the type of players that make this offense, whether it's Josh Gaddis or somebody else successful, you need to bring in high potential, uh, you know, guys with, with an athletic profile that fits the modern age of college football, that is big plays like we were talking about. Um, and, I, and I think Dwight Phillips fits that. Brace Daly is a, a 2024 receiver um, who's also a track star. I think he's a state champ in the long jump. He's got offers from, you know, a lot of ACC schools. So it seems like there's a lot of traction uh, there. Boston College, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, and West Virginia have offered. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's starting to pick up uh, in recruiting a little bit. Uh, you know, I got a chance to talk to him a little bit, and we'll have his his uh, comments on Miami um, on the Keynes County website. Um, so look out for that, hopefully this afternoon. Um, and then they also offered a defensive lineman, uh, which they haven't done a, a ton of those as, as of recent. Uh, David uh, Palpe at, uh, out of uh, Pennsylvania uh, is six foot three, over 300 pounds, probably going to be a defensive tackle, but also play some offensive line. Um, so you could see him as a potential guard prospect. Probably not, though, just because of the high potential offensive line recruits that they seem to be going after. Um, but USC's offered Wisconsin, Kentucky, Maryland, Pitt, Pennsylvania, Louisville. He's, he's going to be one of those guys that 
is a riser in that uh, in that 2024 class as an interior defensive lineman, in my opinion. Um, you know, I did get a chance to talk to him as well. Seems like USC is the dream school, but the the idea of playing at Miami intrigues him because they seem to be going after him pretty hard. So, um, and then obviously, you know, went to a couple games this week. Uh, Miami Central. Keep on. Yeah, tell, tell me about this game, man. Just tell me how it all played out. We didn't even really have a conversation about it. I saw your highlights on 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 Twitter, of course, but just kind of tell me how it all played out. I think Andy Jean p- proved that Miami should still be going after him. Kid had over 100 yards in the first half. He took a four-star corner, Earl Culp, deep twice, over 120 yards on just two catches. Um, so I think he proved that, like, that 11-5, 100-meter uh, speed that everybody talks about where he's not a fast guy is kind of out out the window. He proved that he has that vertical ability and, and, and great hands, you know, strong route runner. We already know that about him. Uh, he had a standout game. Uh, second half was a little bit rougher when they went to a two-shell on him. Um, but overall, it, he he proved that it, it's gonna it's got to be a race between Florida and Miami at the end. Another Billy Napier Mario Cristobal battle because there's not a ton of receiver talent in regards to outside uh, threats for Miami uh, that are still on the board. Uh, you know, Tayshawn Lyons took a visit to to Washington that worries me a little bit after this All weekend. Right, yeah. uh, and if and if they don't get him. Uh, and they don't get Brandon Ennis. It's like, well, where, what are you going to go? Other, you know, and the transfer portal obviously can work, but you don't want to have to rely on the transfer portal like Manny Diaz did all the time. You want to be able to bring in guys that you can develop over four to five years uh, in this program. And, and I think Andy Jean could be one of those guys. Um, you know, Karan Maycock is a guy that I think Miami needs to offer 2026 safety. I know we're talking about freshmen. It's like crazy, right? But this kid is a clone of Zaquan Patterson. He can play linebacker. He can cover in, in too high. He is he is a freak of freaks, um, and and he proved it once against once again uh, against Miami Northwestern. And then the last kid that I really want to mention is Amari Wallace, who just picked up Alabama. Got a chance to talk to him after the game. Um, yeah, Dennis Smith is, is doing a great job, you know, recruiting him via his coaches. Obviously, they can't reach out to him yet because he's just a sophomore, but doing an excellent job of recruiting Amari Wallace. And we're starting to see, you know, the bigger name schools pop up more and more. Uh, you know, it's Alabama. He's been at Auburn, right? Like it, the SEC is, is starting to see, you know, the ability of Amari Wallace. It, he's going to be a four-star kid that – Miami is going to have to stay on heavy because he, he is so good. He played in the slot, pressing receivers. He was really the only lockdown defensive back for Miami Central in this game. He did an exceptional job. Um, and despite, you know, some midseason uh, injuries and things of that nature, he, he's come back really strong. Um, and, and I fully expect him uh, to be one of the best defensive players in his class for South Florida when that time comes. Yeah, I mean, that that's – what we have to look for, right? Look forward to, right? Is is the recruiting uh, because this season obviously a wash. Uh, of course, you you know we're still hoping that uh, Miami comes out with a victory against Pittsburgh, but it's going to be a, a tough go. Uh, they've got a um, a really good running back over there. Um, another last name that I'm not going to try to uh, <laughs> pronounce. I know his first name is Israel, um, but uh, he is another. Uh, player that Miami will have to kind of shut down here 
but um yeah but in the meantime the the future is what to get excited about because uh we all know Cristobal is is a great recruiter you know I think that's that's the thing that we knew we were getting with Mario Cristobal and now there were there were questions about his his uh coaching ability with uh you know game management style that type of thing and um when you when you listen to his interviews you you kind of get the feeling that he just kind of wants to get this season over with you know <laughs> um just like he did with that uh post that post uh presser from the game last night it it, it, it seems as if he's just kind of fed up with the season he wants to get to recruiting season and really continue to build his football team because this is let's be honest this is basically manny diaz's football team and he doesn't feel like these are the type of players that 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 he can win with and obviously his record shows that um so what what we can be excited about is recruiting and you know just stay tuned to kingscounty.com from early signing day to signing day throughout the whole off season nobody is going to cover the this off season more than canescounty.com as you can hear we are boots on the ground type of guys that are going to the games talking to kids talking to coaches at seven on sevens at camps um and we were doing this before we were officially canescounty.com um and so that is going to continue to be the type of coverage that we bring you uh here on the website and the storm tracker podcast um, but we'll, we'll see how it all shakes out. Um, I hope we get a bowl game. I don't know if we will, but you know, I'm saying there's a chance. <laughs> Are you saying there's a chance? <laughs> I'm saying there's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance and, uh, getting a bowl game too, it, it'd be big for, it'd be big for just the team morale, you know, um, especially the seniors, man. Um, you know, for the seniors on this team, like Mallory and, and Ivy, it's, it's important for them to finish off their career strong on senior day and to earn another victory for a bowl game. It's huge. It'd be, it'd be huge, uh, for, for the program going forward for the team going forward. I don't think it'll affect recruiting that much. Uh, you may lose maybe one uh, player from this class, but I don't really see a ton decommitting. Um, but, you know, we'll we'll see how it all plays out, though. Yeah, yeah, we'll be talking about it on Keynes County, and and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun fun final month stretch for this recruiting class, um, and then the transfer portal when that opens up on December fifth. Watch out! <laughs> yeah. Watch yeah yeah and yeah something that we didn't uh, touch on either is that Keyshawn smith is is basically gone from the team as well i mean there hasn't been a sighting of him uh, we heard that he uh, you know was on a plane to california didn't travel with the team to clemson so that's uh potentially the next player to announce that he's officially in the trance 
for a portal. We're just kind of waiting on that announcement. Uh, but we expect more. Uh, we expect a ton more uh, to happen within the next month, uh, you know, with this team. Um, I, we expect up to 40 to 50 new players uh, to possibly be on this team for next year. So it'll be a totally uh, different team that we see in 2023. Yep. All right. Anything else? No, not uh, it's listen round three here. Um, we're gonna have some we're gonna have some more content for you guys recruiting wise, and hopefully we get a bowl game bowl game out of Miami um, after uh, after this week against Pitt. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. All right, so that's gonna wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Until the next episode.